The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Let's talk about something positive. Let's talk about International Recovery Day tomorrow. And I'm joined by two guests from the Cool Mind Therapeutic Community. We have one of his clients, Danny Moore, and we have, first of all, his Chief Executive, Pauline McKeown. Welcome back. It's been a while since we've seen you on the programme. Although I believe that you've been exceptionally busy in recent times. That, yeah. And I know we don't want to talk about COVID, but post-COVID, you are dealing with a lot more people who need to get into recovery, aren't you? Yeah, we certainly are. I mean, in uh, 2021, last year, we worked with over 1,885 people. Um, for us, that was an increase of 52% on the year before. Uh, we're seeing a steady increase in calls and people seeking help ongoing as well, about an extra 18 calls per day, which in many ways, Matt, doesn't sound like a lot, but it is when you're impacted, when you're that person needing help or you're the family member trying to get help for someone. And what type of addiction issues are you coming across? Has there been a change in the type of addiction profile? I guess there is a little bit more recently, um, certainly. And even from the Health Research Board here in Ireland would be telling us that in terms of the there is a change in change in the, the profile of drug use. Uh, we're seeing an alarming increase in cocaine use, um, for sure. But I guess in coal mine, we're still seeing a prevalence of heroin and opiate use um, for some of our services, particularly for the residentials. Um, we'd definitely still be seeing that. But I guess COVID did play its impact, if we can. And, still and alcohol, presumably, is still a major factor and as well, And alcohol too, it? yeah. I mean, for us in the last 18 months, we've seen an, um, an increase in service, service sites, you could say, too, Matt. So we've gone from having five services in the East Region. We now have two services, including a second mother and child residential unit in the Midwest. Um, and a day service there. And we also have six services across the Cork Kerry region too. Um, all of those are seeing slightly different profiles. So in terms of the southwest, we'd definitely be seeing a prevalence of alcohol use and polydrug use. In the Midwest, we're still seeing prevalence around opiate heroin use. Um, but right across the services, the increase in cocaine is there. But let's concentrate on the positive because when you do offer residential care, and I know this, that you actually have many success stories and that you have people that you help get back on an even keel. Yeah, certainly. And I guess the clients that we work with, Coomine works with people to overcome long-term social deprivation. Um, and, and our work very much is involved in a, a therapeutic um, approach to the work. So it's looking at the socioeconomic issues that are there from someone. Our clients may be former uh, prisoners, may be coming from a homeless um, scenario, but underpinning all of that, they just haven't had the same access to education. So we know that when we reach out and provide the pathway and we're able to assertively go out into communities, that we're able to create the pathway for people to overcome their addiction and to achieve long-term recovery. Our research tells us, we published a longitudinal study in 2016, and it showed us that two years after treatment, seven out of ten of the people who accessed our services were illicit drug-free. Which is great. And Danny Moore, you'll be one of those who's come true cool mind to your benefit. Tell us about your story. Yeah, so um, I would have struggled with addiction. Um, firstly, I would have found myself in prison. After prison then, my addiction sort of got out of hand. And it was only that um, my 29th birthday, I sort of said, right, there has to be more to life. I was homeless living in the car, you know. 
Um, oh, what sort of addictions were you living so with? So my my addiction would have been cocaine and alcohol. Um, at the age I was, I was 29, it was more of a social scene. And I thought it was just a weekend thing. Then the weekends grew into the middays and the, the midweeks and all that. And it was just a constant flow of things. And I found myself then on my own. I wasn't sitting in parties anymore with people. I was sitting sitting outside the street by myself, you know. Um, and did that ruin relationships as well for you? Absolutely. Um, so at this time, I would have manipulated everybody around me. I would have borne bridges with every single person, um, lied to everybody. Everything I could have done wrong, I'd done. Um, and absolutely, that's one of the reasons I found myself on my own. Um, it's, it's sort of addiction. As much as all the people you love, you'll you'll stand on them to get what you want, you know? And that's the horrible thing about it. But on my 29th years, on my 29th birthday, um, I made the decision to... What prompted that? What, what was the turning point for you? So it was, I'll tell you exactly what it was. So I was homeless, I was living in a car and it was about 4am. It was actually the police had woke me up while I was sleeping in this car rough. And they said, look, you have to move. And I'm looking at them saying, oh, I can't move this car, you know what I mean? Like, I literally just, I'm living in it. Um, you probably weren't actually in a physical condition where Absolutely you Absolutely not. Be no, there's no condition whatsoever to to do anything. And I was at that point, I just I sort of stopped and thought to myself, there has to be more to life than this. I haven't seen my kids at the time, I haven't seen my parents, I haven't seen anybody who I thought was close to me at all. I haven't seen anybody and I just there has to be more to life. So it was the following day, um I'd heard about Kilmoyne, I'd heard great things about Kilmoyne and I said, Right, I'll I'll make the call and I made the call to Kilmoyne and I started then the pre-entry programme into residential. Um, when I when I got there, they had asked me, look, is it residential looking for or is it a day programme or is it other services that you provide? And I knew it was residential programme I needed. Um, I needed structure. I needed I needed stability. I needed support, constant support. Um, so I'd done three months of the step-down. Um, so that means, oh, not the step-down, sorry, the pre-entries. So that was like... I'd show up twice a week, give clean urines, like a check-in group as such. Um, and I said, at that at that point, I started to sort of get an understanding of what it was about, you know. Um, they were constantly checking in on me, even when I wasn't in there. So I remember I got the call to say, um, "Yeah, look, we have a we have a bed for you in Kilmoyne Lodge," and it was one of the scariest moments of my life, and it's probably one of the. Best what do they decision. do for you in, in there? How do they manage to wean you off your addictions? So, obviously, the, the pre-entry system would have would have helped regarding getting me clean. So, I have to be given clean urines. I have to show a consistent flow of clean urines to show that I'm, I'm not messing about here and I really want it. Um, and then once I get in there, then, it was, it was the welcoming that really, really done it for me. I got there as much as I was scared, everything, like... I've been to prison, you know what I mean? Prison, prison's tough. When I walked into the gates of Kilmoyne, it was scary enough, you know, and it was harder than prison because I had to face everything. And that's not trying to scare people off, that's not going to do anything, it's just overcoming everything that you've done throughout your life and facing all the mistakes you've done. It's tough. Um, but the rewards after are immense, really, really are. What are the rewards to you? <laughs> Well, let's just say, people say you live a life beyond your wildest dreams and I would never have known what that was, but I do a lot of things today that I would never, ever, ever realise I've done. I'm 
sitting here on a radio show now. I've took part in RTE's Ultimate Hell Week. Um, I've set up running clubs. I've done things where people say, what are you doing that for? And I say, because I can. You know what I mean? Addiction has taken everything away from me and recovery has given everything me back. And what about relationships? Ah, you know what I mean? I'm the best person in the world now. <laughs> my mother and father, my mother and father have their son back, you know. Uh, my partner has our, has our fella back. My kids have their father back. Um, I'm present. You know what I mean? I live in the day. I know what's going on around me. Somebody asked me to do something. My first instinct is, yeah. You know what I mean? Regardless of what it is, because life's too short. Are you ever tempted by drinking drugs? Absolutely not. Um, believe it or not, I've been on stag deals since I've come into recovery. You know, I've been away in Alberta, Portugal, and like that, I'm still the one up there dancing. I'm still the one up there having fun. Which means you can enjoy yourself without 100%, getting into the drugs. I can enjoy my life now, substance free. Um, I can still do everything. And that's one thing I thought when I walked into the gates of Kilmoyne, I always said to myself, I'm going to have a boring life now. I said, I'm not going to be able to do that. My life's <laughs> going to be boring now because I, all I knew was drinking and drugging. Yeah, but being boring is actually sleeping in a car because you've nowhere else to go, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, you said it. You know what I mean? Walking the streets alone, wondering where you're going to where you're gonna get your next bag of cocaine or where you're going to find drinking drugs. That's boring. Life now is exciting. Um, like, it's amazing the things you can do without but I alcohol. bet, Danny, it's not easy though for everyone to make that change, to go through the recovery, is it? No, it's not. Like like I said, I've been to prison, I've been in these situations and Kilmoyne, when I went to the Kilmoyne, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done. Um, having to sit in a group with lads, thinking you're okay and the whole group turns on you and you say, you know what, look, what's going on for you? And that's where you have to sort of come clean and talk about the things you don't want to talk about. You know what I mean? And, I remember I was in a couple of weeks and I found myself in that situation and the tears just flowed and flowed and flowed and I'm crying my eyes out here in front of 20, 25 lads who I only know a short amount of time. But I remember that day as I was walking out of the group room after that group somebody said to me now you're doing the programme and I didn't know what he meant but it was, it was the sense of relief after just once I started speaking about my difficulties and speaking about the things I didn't want to speak about it was like the weight's just the weight just lifted. Pauline, are there many Dannys? Oh, yes. <laughs> there are many Dannys. But this Danny is such a recovery advocate, you know, someone that's just transformed their life around, you know. And I think what Danny's story shows us is that recovery is possible for everyone because, you know, being someone who uses substances problematically, being someone who that leads to sleeping rough criminal justice issues there's a lot of stigma associated with that and that's why recovery month is really important because it just brings forward the visibility bringing out these recovery stories yeah it's international recovery day tomorrow you're making a month of the celebrations <laughs> tell us about just briefly some of the things that you're doing and getting people involved with absolutely look we've been uh, celebrating recovery all month september's known as international recovery month but some of the things we've done is recovery cafes across our services. Um, we've also had um, a really interesting football tournament uh, whereby um, the guards were one team and Kumai <laughs> <laughs> and some of our corporate partners came along. I'm pleased to report that Kumai Lodge won back the, the cup from the guards this year. So that's great. But putting that joking aside, you know, what that was was... You know, um, some of the guards were saying to, to me at that event, you know, the last time I would have seen 
Danny or whomever is I was giving them a charge sheet. I was arresting them, you know, and here they are 12, 18 months since that point in time, healthy, physically looking healthy, emotionally, you know, being able to look me in the eye and hold a conversation with me. What sort of of tackles were going in from each side of the (laughs) Pretty heavy, pretty heavy. Were you playing, Danny? No, I actually, believe it or not, obviously this is a a yearly thing and when I was in going through my programme, it was on as well and I did happen to play in that match as well. Did we lose? Yeah, the guards won it that year. But like that, what Pauline had said there is absolutely serious because I was playing that match and one of the guards said to me, jeez, Danny, it's great to see you. The last time I've seen you, I was chasing it over a back wall. You know that way? (laughs) And he laughed about it and afterwards it was great because you think there's this stigma about guards and everything else. Yeah. They're human beings, you know what I mean? And like that, afterwards they shook our hands, they were happy to see us, they gave a little speech at the end of it, which is great. Mm. We have to leave it there. Danny Moore, thank you very much for this. And Pauline McKeown, great to see you again, Chief Executive of the Cool Mind Therapeutic Community. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.